Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS. It's episode 752. You've just got me and my co-host, Kirk. Um, we're going to have an internal discussion this week. We did have a guest, but unfortunately, she couldn't attend today. Um, hopefully, she might come on at a later stage. Um, what we're going to discuss in this show is market fit. Market fit if you're a freelancer trying to build a niche business. Um, market fit if you've got a SaaS product, a WordPress product, product. Um, It's an important discussion. It's something I've had to really concentrate myself. I think you're going to get value from the conversation. Um, Kirk's got a lot of experience in management. Um, I've got experience as a freelancer, as an agency, and trying to produce a service in the WordPress space. So, Kirk, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Love to. Jonathan, great to be back with you again. Uh, my name is Kurt Von Onen. I own an agency called Manana No Mas. It means tomorrow no more. And uh, our whole thing is being on time and under budget and uh, helping out on podcasts. It's good to be with you, man. Yeah, it's great. Um, like I say, um, it's an important subject. But before we go into the meat and potatoes of the show, I've got a couple of great messages from our major sponsors. We will be back in a few moments, folks. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. Hi there, folks. It's Jonathan Denwood here, and I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that's Zolo.com. If you've got a WordPress website, a membership website, and you're looking to link it with a great financial management package, Zolo can provide this solution. So all your bookkeeping needs are done through Zolo. If you need new inbox email functionality and you don't want to pay the high charges that Google will charge you, Zolo offers a great email inbox platform they've got over 50 apps and services that all integrate fantastic with wordpress at great value levels and they almost always offer a fully functioning free product as well so it's just amazing value also if you're a wordpress developer or agency owner zolo are looking for great partnerships in the wordpress space to get all this information, all you have to do, folks, is just go over to Zolo.com and they have the products that you're looking for. Thank you so much, Zolo, for supporting WP Tonic and the Machine Membership Shows. It's much appreciated. 
We're coming back, folks. Um, I just want to point out that we're looking for partners. If you're a designer, if you're a small agency, and you've got a possibility of a major project, but you're a bit concerned about taking it on, especially if it's a community um, learning management membership type of website or WooCommerce, why don't you become a partner with WP Tonic? Host the website um, for your client on WP Tonic and we can also help you build out the project so you can take on that major project without any worries. If that sounds interesting, go over to WP Tonic slash partners, WP Tonic slash partners and learn some more. So, Market fit. Um, a lot of freelancers don't think about it, um, Kirk. I'm just going to give a broad outline of why I thought this was a good subject. And um, it might be, um, and that's understandable if they're just looking to build clients from their physical location, from their city, from their town. And there's many digital freelancers, small digital agencies. That's where they start. When it comes online, when you're looking online, um, I think if you can find a niche, find a, um, a sector that, makes you slightly different, you're going to have a a much better experience in building uh, a book of clientele. Um, A, what's your response with what I've just outlined and what have you got to add to the initial discussion, Kurt? A, I think we've really dove into what could possibly be a really large subject and there's so many different perspectives on how to tackle it. you know, you're, you're correct in that. Yeah. You know, you're going to go for low hanging fruit. It's probably going to be referrals person to person. It's going to be people within your circles. It might serve a locality. Um, but yeah, once you, once you go out online and you say, Hey, I'm here, I'm hanging my tile on the internet and I'm open for business. The fit has to, everything has to fall into place, you know, pricing product offered, uh, time to service, uh, all of that has to kind of match a requirement and so there's there's a lot to consider yeah so um i think you know you've got to have understanding about and it's a it applies to a service business it provides to plug-in it provides um to a SaaS product um i think you've got to identify a market need and this is this has been well stated is it is it a problem or is it or is it aspiration is it a the aspiration is a vitamin the problem you're fixing a pain um problem a pain um so you need a painkiller and you're providing the thing that could kill the pain you know, all the um, podcasts and all the resources online I've read say, you know, you can do well um, being uh, a vitamin, but it's best really to be a a painkiller 
to solve a problem, um, either in a service business or in a plug-in or a SaaS product. So it applies to the three buckets of people that tend to listen to this podcast. Um, um, so you got to so you got to identify. It's best to identify a pain. Um, and that's what I think we're talking about. You know, if you're um, just putting up through various um, Facebook groups or Slack groups or whatever, um, that you're a um, developer, WordPress developer, I don't think, um, especially if you're starting from the ground up, that's going to be a hard path or do you or do you sense that I'm being a little bit pessimistic there's still if you're reasoning good at development there's still a ton of work out there it's such a mixed it's such a a mixed bag right now we can look at all the layoffs happening at the corporate level we can look at you know all kinds of things that are causing people to chase an entrepreneurial path and maybe pick up freelancing so I think there's more people coming to that channel God, he's froze. So, all right. Was that me or was that you? Are I don't back? know. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Oh. Sorry about that, folks. Um, so uh, what I was saying there was, it to your point, if you are, I can be everything to everybody, I'm a developer and I'm available, you don't become attractive to anybody. I mean, you just become kind of a, of a, of a malaise. But if you can niche down and go, I focus on, um, in my instance, I learned the hard way. I had to niche a little bit and say, look, I focus on membership and learning sites. And I just, I kind of try to keep that focus. And every now and then an e-commerce customer comes to me and says, oh, well, can you also do this? Absolutely, I can do that. But I've focused my niche on learning and membership so that I become attractive as a specialist in that vertical. And I think that that's important. I think you have to pick I think you have to pick a vertical, a category, because the space is so big and you have to be able to attract yourself to somebody that's looking for something specific. Yeah, I just think in in the WordPress plugin space, um, Mm. a lot of it's been driven by agencies, small, medium-sized agencies that have had a client and they've had to build build out a custom plugin solution and... It's worked out, and then they have adapted the plugin, the custom plugin, and offered it to the general, um, the world, the outside world. Um, and it's either done modularly well, hasn't done well. So there hasn't been a lot of pre-identification. Is there actual market out there? You know, the costs have been developed by the custom plug-in development, and then they've launched it. Um, and it, that still works to some extent. I think it's a little bit less because we've got a market now in the WordPress space of 60,000 um, plugins plus. Um, and the same thing applies to the SaaS world. I think I think there's still opportunities out there, but you just need to do some pre-identification and around your product, around your plugin, 
And also, if you're a freelancer, what your niche is going to be. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on the plugin talk, Jonathan, other than, you know, you hit on the point, well, there's 60,000 plugins out there, but then you hear people making custom plugin solutions and it's, and then they just kind of put it out to the market. And chances are there's something else out there that does what they created, right? They, they just didn't do enough homework up front to realize they could have taken something existing and used it. And so we end up with a lot of duplication and we end up with a lot of plugins that don't have a high adoption rate. And so those are the types of things that as a freelancer, I look at, right? Like when was the last time it was updated? When's the last time, you know, how many people have used it? How many downloads? What are the, what are the reviews on it? And, you know, you got to come at that market hard because there's a lot of competition in that space. And so if there's uh, a lot of duplication in what you created, how are you going to make it stand apart? How are you going to make it special? And that's part of that niching down idea, right? How it's presented. Yeah, and also I also think looking at ad, the add-on market is, you know, looking, that's one of the attractions of WooCommerce or yeah. one of the attractions of some of the major plugins um, out there, you know, Learn Dash, Lifter LMS, because we're I'm in the learning management system membership, um, add-ons for Buddy Boss, um, the add-on market for um, adding some additional functionality to a popular um, base plugin is a pretty good idea because it, um, to get started because um, the, it might not be the a big earner, but it's a good way, it's manageable, and the market's already been pre-identified because, because Learn Dash or it's work or Lifter LMS or or whatever the um, major plugin that you're adding an add-on sub plugin functionality to. I think that's quite a good idea. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, except for, uh, you know, and there's a caveat to every rule. Like when I go looking for a WooCommerce add-on, there are, it's almost like looking for a WordPress plugin. There's just so many to choose from and so many avenues. Um, WooCommerce has turned into kind of this animal to me that, that when I go to create a specific use for it and find the, the specific add-on I'm looking for, and I don't want to pay $99 a year forever and ever to WooCommerce for it. It's, um, looking for those add-on, you know, third-party solutions. It, it's almost like looking for, you know, a plugin in WordPress. It's just a huge marketplace there now. It's like that flea market you talk about. And so when you enter that market, you got to be real specific about what's the pain point that you're solving and what's your value to market, you know? Yeah. So I think also when it comes to a freelancer, um, I think actually getting yourself out there, actually talking about your niche area. Now, let's take an example. Let's say if it is membership that, learning management systems um actually having a website actually publishing blog posts content actually publishing videos actually publishing things on linkedin joining some of the popular facebook groups and commenting and engaging i think this is how you build your visibility in a particular niche. What's your thoughts around there? Couldn't agree more. Uh, in fact, 
and, I, and I've said this publicly many, many times, I've been working in WordPress since 2004. And I was never really part of the community until very recently, Jonathan. And it's only like embracing being your co-host on the podcast, you know, working with WP Tonic, Lifter LMS, and getting involved with these other companies at that kind of contractor level that's given me exposure. And when I went to WordCamp US, it opened up a whole new world for me. And I met a ton of people in the in the plugin space. I met other vendors. And then I started attending uh, WordPress meetups. And WordPress meetups, I've gotten half a dozen referrals in the last four months just from attending WordPress meetups and being able to just offer. You're not selling in a WordPress meetup, but you're contributing. You know, someone has an issue. You say, well, did you try this? Did you try that? Have you thought about this? Do you want to jump on a quick Zoom and let's cover it? Next thing you know, you know, you've got another job for your agency or a referral. You know, it's a great way to go. I think, um, yeah, I think getting yourself out there. Um, but like I say, um, I think also you've seen that in the kind of subgroups, you know, the Alamator or um, if you're part of the Cadence community, there's sub-communities in WordPress. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the strongest is the Divi community, which I've never been very active in, but I've known people that have built six-figure um, businesses, uh, plug-in businesses, theme businesses, um, in the Divi as a, a sub-provider of product in the Divi community. Um, yeah. Because it's over, it must be slightly under me and active or people that bought Divi. So it's, it, it's, which doesn't compare to Alimator, but it's still a very large community. And there's a number of these sub-communities, isn't it, that makes, which is quite unusual in the WordPress space, really, isn't it? The, the really cool thing about those sub-communities, though, Jonathan, is as you shop around and you input yourself into each one, just give it a sample, you'll realize each one has its own culture. It's its own kind of, you know, identity for you. And there's ones that you'll fit into and there's ones that, you know, you feel like it's a forced fit. But if you focus on the ones that you naturally fit into, you're going to find that growth. You know, um, GoWP does a happy hour on Fridays. I sign into that and there's 12 to 18 new friends in there. Um, you know, but I've been to some others where I've signed in and I went, well, this one wasn't for me. You know, I'll take this one off the list and I'll look for another group to join. And um, as I as I participate in those groups, the networking and the ideas and the creativity that flows afterwards is is worth the time, the investment to be there. Yeah. Um, so um, I think um, uh, other. So you know, if it comes to freelancers getting yourself out there finding it's normally when you um and it's normally you're kind of guided down a certain path because it's getting those initial clients either locally um you know if it's the small business community um it's it's be going to all your kind of normal um business type um city or region events um, and just getting yourself having conversations with people. Um, that's how, you know, if you, um, you might also get to the stage where you can do some freelance work for some digital agencies. 
Um, there's a number of ways of getting, you know, normally it's a side hustle unless you're a student. Um, there's very, or, you know, if you're looking after children or or seniors or whatever and, and you're, you're trying to build a side hassle as well. There's a number, that's one of the attractions of the WordPress space, that it's, you can build up a book of business, a freelancer, uh, at the same time where you might be, um, it might be a side gig, um, it might not be your main form of income. Um, when it comes to plugins, that's normally more experienced developers or small agencies to medium agencies. Um, when it comes to a SaaS, I've known SaaSs that have been built by just one developer or or just a couple. Um, unless they're, you know, especially if they're, I think our podcast, it's really aimed at the bootstrap SaaS Um and there's a lot of overlap between the bootstrap and building a product in the WordPress space because um, it's self-financed, basically. Um, yeah. So to get back where I started, because there's been a little bit of a ramble, but um, I think it's been a useful one, uh, um, is, you know, identifying a pain rather than a vitamin, uh, a painkiller, um, is a good start. Um, so, but what applies to the freelancer applies to a SaaS or plugin. You, you got to find what I call your online tribe, your online audience. Um, you got to get the message out. Um, and uh, I think one of the factors is SEO, you know, um, is producing blog content and content. If you've got a SaaS, um, you've got to be able to have somebody in the organisation that understands the basis of content, content marketing, SEO, and also social media and video marketing. Um, what's your thoughts about that before we go for our break? Um, all of it put together in one giant, huge package, the way you just described it, is an absolute nightmare for a bootstrap single operator. Like, for instance, me working out of my little workshop. Um, but the point is, is once you get that online tribe, once you start, you know, if you are a fisherman, you know, tossing lures in the water and starting to bring fish your way, um, that's where that product market fit conversation can actually happen because then you'll have a book of business, a little bit, a smaller book of business where you can start to analyze like your proof of concepts and say, you know, out of my portfolio, what worked, what almost worked, and then what was a utter disaster because it's okay to have failure as long as you learn from it, right? And then that's where that product market fit kind of conversation can extend from. Yeah, and I think this is the, I think... Before we go for our break, this is this is the difficult thing because not only do you have to do if you're a freelancer, if you're a plug-in, a theme producer, a small agency, or a bootstrap SaaS company, not only do you have to produce something, a service, a plug-in, or a SaaS product, 
you've got to market, you've got to be out there marketing, you've got to be out there and doing doing the work, managing the work, plus marketing yourself, your agency, or your bootstrap SaaS is difficult. This is mm-hmm. this this is why it's not easy. This is why not everybody is successful on in their online businesses or business in general. This is why most businesses fail between three and five years. Is it's tricky. Um be and you can end up doing a lot of hours, a lot of work and not making less than minimum wage, basically. Um, um, I'm not saying it's easy, but what I'm going to do in the second half with Kirk's help is I'm going to hopefully give you some um, outline about how you might be able to balance this and um, market yourself um, in the WordPress community or if you're a bootstrap SaaS Um, market your SaaS business. We are going for a break. We will be back in a few moments, folks. Hey, it's Ben's from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers, custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with Launch Flows. Get your copy today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS, the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back. Um, I just want to point out that if, um, why don't you, I do another podcast called The Membership Machine Show. We've got a great WordPress community, not WordPress, sorry, Facebook community. Got a great Facebook group um, called The Membership Machine Show Group. Um, Got a great mixture of people trying to build a membership website and uh, WordPress developers. if you're a WordPress developer, why don't you join us on there and join and be part of the discussion? So go over to Facebook and join us there. Um, so this is the tricky bit. Not only do you have to do the work, not only do you have to manage clients, um, and the reason why I'm saying it is because you probably are listening to this, folks, and you're saying, no, I don't, Jonathan. I've got... I've got my referrals. I do good work. I'm working for WordPress plugin shops, theme shops. Plus, I've got my um, independent clientele. Um, people are referring clientele to me. I don't need this. Um, I think I think that is the wrong 
understandable. And if you really are working 60 hours a day in you, a week and you really just don't have any time to produce material, um, understandable. But I think what you've got to understand, we're, we're to some extent, it's overblown because I, I've worked with a lot of offshore developers, domestic developers, all sorts um, in my WordPress career. And I've heard it all. Um, and I've seen it all. Uh, um, and working with offshore people um, has its own skills. Um, it's a bit more difficult. Um, but what I'm saying is, if you don't find the time to market yourself, I think it is going to bite you on the backside in the end, unless you're the top tier of developer in the WordPress or JavaScript or SaaS base. Unless you're, um, and then that's more working for a large employer, medium employer. Um, there's loads of developers that do not want to be freelance, do not even want to do it as a side hassle. They don't have enough time for their family anyway, with their full-time job. Um, but I'm talking specifically at people that freelancers want it, or doing this as a side hassle or their bootstrap. I think not spending time marketing yourself, you're going to, it's, it's going to hurt you in the end. What do you reckon, Kurt? I believe um, whether you're a freelancer or you're an agency, um, you need to, in the back of your mind, be planning for expansion and growth before expansion and growth ends up on your on your desk or on your keyboard. If you are a freelancer and you are literally pumping it out 60 hours a week and and you know you said that and people might have people might have snickered or snorted but it happens you know there's people that get a lot of work and then they got all this this stuff and they can't keep up and they go well I don't need any more referrals I'm I'm dying I'm swamped here um if they would have gotten ahead of that curve when they were producing 30 35 hours a week and started to build like kind of a process and procedure manual for the things that they specialize in, they would be able to bring in contractors or offshore help and then kind of transition themselves into a project manager over, you know, a keyboard warrior. And at that point they increase their margins because they're Well, it's to- tricky though, isn't it? Because there's a lot of developers, yeah. there's a lot of developers that really don't want to do that. It is, it is tricky, but that's, you know, it's, it's, well, the, the talk was product market fit, right? And so it's, if, if you want to limit your market, right, and then limit your responsibilities, you're going to have some type of a ceiling that you're going to run into trading time for money or skills for money. Um, but if you want to extend past that ceiling, you're going to have to find a way to increase those margins and productivity in other ways. So um, I'm not going to ask you for any um, detailed information, but you, you work with Chris, who's a friend of mine, with Lifter LMS. Now, Chris Chris is the CEO of Lifter, folks. Um, he's a personal friend of mine. Um, um, his role, obviously, is to run the company on a day-to-day basis, but also he spends most of his time on the marketing and um side of promoting the benefits of Lifter LMS. So your observation, what are some of the key areas that on the top of mind that you've observed 
that Chris has shown you around how he looks at marketing lift at LMS to the general WordPress community and the wider people that are looking to build uh, a learning business in 2020, 2023. Yeah, without divulging, you know, too much, you know, information about Lifter LMS, uh, Chris is a, a wonderful leader to work under and he, and he's pretty transparent. So, so there's a lot of things to really look at there. Their growth over the last two, three years has been pretty good, Jonathan. Um, you know, it was, you know, someone doing some part time customer service on support tickets, someone else doing part time on, you know, maybe running those office hours that they do every Thursday afternoon for, for the people in their infinity group. Uh, and then, you know, it was, uh, Chris on the marketing side and sales and, and running the business and, and Thomas was developer, right? And, and we kind of look at that and you go, okay. And then they had someone in Italy that was helping. And, and now when you look, it's, you know, they've got two more partners. Um, you know, the paid memberships pro blog post went out public last month. So, so everyone should know that there's two more investors and, and workers on the developing side and the design side. The newest release of Lifter just had some really cool design elements changed in it. So if you're on the 7.1. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think that's all great, Kurt. But what, yeah. what's your observation? Where does Chris really concentrate? I'm not asking for Pacifics. I'm no, asking, no, that's what I was going to get to. I'm asking about what does he focus when it comes to the online marketing? Which buckets does he focus the most on? Yeah, and that's kind of where I wanted to get to was he, he expanded the team enough that everyone's able to focus on their sweet spot. And, and he lets them roll with it. Like he doesn't micromanage it, which frees him up for lots of podcasts, um, lots of cameo appearances on our weekly calls, um, lots of planning, lots of social planning, sales planning for uh, different promotions. Um, he is more in the planning stage than in the catching up and execution stages of things now, which is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, right? If you're the freelancer pumping out 60 hours a week, struggling to keep up, you don't have the ability to plan ahead and and to be more calm in your execution. You're more frantic in your execution because you're trying to keep up. Um, Chris, the way that he's orchestrated things at Lifter recently is more in a position to kind of plan ahead, execute according to the plan, but with less of a frantic feel or nature to it. And I think people sense that. I think people from the outside coming in, they go, this seems, this is, this seems to be well established. This, this is consistent, and I, and I think that really lends to a good customer experience. So, um, yeah, I think so. I think what you get from that is having the bandwidth to plan out some marketing, to plan out how you're going to position your SaaS, your plugin, you as a freelancer. That that because you just get buried in the weeds for understandable reasons. Because a lot of people are listening to this, Kurt, and think, what are we waffling on about? Because yeah. I need, I'm looking for clients all the time. Um, and I think we all are to some, some degree. Now, um, what's your, been your experience about utilizing LinkedIn? What's your observations of the oddity? Every platform has, from Facebook groups to Pinterest to Instagram to YouTube, every platform 
marketing or communication platform has its peculiarities, has its own digital culture, as I call it. Um, first of all, would you agree that every of these type of communication, social media platforms have their semi-different culture? And what's the culture of LinkedIn? I'm actually wondering if you're trolling me because <laughs> I just released a course last week on an introduction to growth through LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn to me, and I'm an, I've been an early adopter of most social media channels. I, I try them, I try as many as I can, and I try to see which ones have the best return, the best energy. Um, for me personally, LinkedIn has become a home. Um, but I'm going to say 60%, 65%, maybe more of the people on LinkedIn trying to find business use it incorrectly. They use it in a spammy, gross kind of way that that repels a lot of people, almost like getting those long, cold emails that you just delete every day in your inbox and in your email, right? Um, there's a way to communicate on LinkedIn and a way to grow your network and your tribe um, in a conversational, trans, less transactional way that becomes transactional over time. It's an investment. Um, so for instance, and, and, and I'll just go, I'll just be blunt, you know, three years ago, my LinkedIn was at 1200 connections. Uh, now I'm at over 8,000 connections. And in the last three years, I've had 2,400 meetings through my LinkedIn account, meaning I've scheduled people for a 15 to 30 minute icebreaker conversation just to figure out who are you? What's your business? Do I have something I can offer you? Do you have something you can offer me? Or is there someone else on my list that I need to connect you to? And when you have that icebreaker conversation and you're generous with other connections and putting people together for other types of business, you become the go-to referral for them in return. And it's so LinkedIn's a really great tool for marketing. So, um, so that's interesting. So you, um, you've approached them and say, you know, no, but a lot of people, you're just kind of inundated with um, spammy LinkedIn messages. Yep. How how do you, did you have to really work on that initial message that you sent people so they would agree to have a quick um, chat with you on Zoom, whatever platform you're utilizing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could really be spammy here and say, go to KurtVonAnen.com and take the free course. Uh, or... Um, I'll just give you a little bit of a secret now. Um, do not connect with people on LinkedIn and then send them five paragraphs about how wonderful you are because uh, that's going to get deleted. You're going to get blocked and you don't want that reputation on that platform. Uh, I treat the LinkedIn messenger like a text message. Um, if you think about how text messages are received and answered and the uh, the return rate on text messaging, if you adopt that modality to the messenger feature in LinkedIn, you'll find you get a lot higher reciprocation. And so usually it's just, uh, hey, I found you by searching out WordPress agencies. I found you by searching out published authors. I found you by whatever, right? I thought we could connect. Boom. That's it. No links, no nothing, no no weird stuff. If they connect, right, you, then you, you get a notification from LinkedIn that you've connected and you say, hey, great. Do you want to have an icebreaker call? Yes or no? And that's it. No sales pitch. Yeah, keep it sweet. Keep it on yep. focus and keep and it, it works. sweet. Yeah. It works. You get the call and then you get to discuss everything you would have put in that pitch that just got deleted the other way. 
Yeah, I think that's really, um, I think that's really, and I think it applies to some ways with Facebook groups and other. Um, so on to another one. What's your experience of Twitter? Because um, in some ways I hate Twitter and it's got me into a, a lot of difficulties. Um, I'm, I'm very peevy. I've got very sarcastic English humour. Um, and sometimes it doesn't come across very well on Twitter. Uh, um so um, I've got mixed feelings, but what's been your experience of Twitter and utilising it? Because there's I, many people in the WordPress community and because of the changes that happened recently um, over the recent months with Twitter, a lot of people have left, others have reduced their exposures, others are fine with it. Um, but what's your general about Excluding the politics, because I really don't want to get involved in that at all. Yeah. Um, but as a as a similar platform to LinkedIn, what's been your experience with Twitter? I almost turned Twitter off before it was purchased. I had multiple accounts, and I had allowed it to. I had allowed the algorithm to portray me a certain way and send me information that I didn't really want was negative. And I was just going to say, ah, forget it. I'm just going to turn it off. And then when the purchase happened, I thought, you know what? I'm going to retry this. I'm going to double down and see if I can't change my feed. And that's what I've learned through Twitter. Twitter is an amplifier of whatever you allow yourself to stare at. And so if you go down some rabbit trail and you start looking stuff up in your Twitter account, Twitter is going to force feed you that junk for a long time. But if you go at it from a positive perspective, for example, the WordPress community, um, Jonathan, the communication and the connection that I've gotten from the WordPress community on my WP e-learning account has been phenomenal. I've gotten referrals. Um, I got a speaking gig through it. Uh, someone that's pretty high up in the WordPress community said, hey, this organization's looking for a speaker. You should apply. And I wouldn't have known about it if I didn't get that message. So the Twitter thing is unique, but it's one of those ones you got to be careful with because that alg- there's so much activity in there and there's so many different category verticals. If you go down a, if you go down a weird path, that's what it's going to show you. But if you focus and you use it as a business tool, it can be very powerful. Yeah, I think you're totally right there. And um, I think also, I think utilising lists is very useful, utilising lists to different groups of individuals that you're following. Um, I think also promoting other people's content, not utilising it totally to broadcast what you're, but helping to broadcast other people's content and um, people notice that you're helpful that you're assisting them to um and commenting i think also spending i uh, probably will get back into it i've taken a, a little bit of break from it and also i'll probably re-look at linkedin myself um um because I, I do publish quite a bit of stuff on LinkedIn, but I, I haven't done much outreach. And it's probably something I need to look at uh, as well. Um, and so definitely go to Kirk's. Um, so where can I get this course from, Kirk? Uh, the free course for the LinkedIn growth is at kurtvonanen.com. So if right. you just go to kurtvonanen.com, there it is. Well, I might sign up myself because obviously I need help with it. Um, so, um, what, what about face? What about Facebook? What's your experience about different Facebook groups? Um, because there is a lot of kind of sub 
Divi, Elementor, all these page builders. There's all these different um, uh, groups. I think with Facebook, the group activity is one of the few um, that you can get benefit because the rest of it is really um, paid to play, really. But I think the group still has some oxygen. What's your own thoughts there? Uh, it's one of the ones that I still consistently tell myself I'm going to bail out of. Even though, to your point, the groups is where a lot of that energy is or where there are certain companies that just run their plugin support through Facebook okay. groups. So it's like you, and if you're going to work in the WordPress world, it's like you almost have to have it if you're going to get the support for the tools that you use. But, and, I, and I'm just going to be transparent here. I mean, when Manana Nomas launched in 2008, as a digital marketing company, I was running social media accounts for multiple companies. And at one point ran like 80 Facebook pages, um, just had all kinds of stuff going on. And I was in deep, I was in really deep and multiple times had to scale back my followers because I was at their limit. You know, you can only have 5,000 on a personal and all these different rules. And over time, it has just become this ubiquitous wash of nonsense to me that um, it doesn't get the job done, at least from my perspective. And I say that from my perspective because I see other people doing extremely well still in that environment and in that Yeah, have you, have you um, analyzed why you have that feeling, why it's panned out? Have you looked at, back at it and think? Because it, it seems to suggest that some... that Because that's my own feelings, really. But I... I um, but... Like you say, there's whole people that are built up, you know, in the membership. I'm not going to name names. There's a particular uh, Facebook membership group and the founders threw me off, um, A, because they they don't like me very much, and B, they thought (laughs) I did some things that peeved them off, but it's very easy to peeve them off. They're notorious for, you know, but it's their Facebook group, so... But they banged me for life. Um, but they banged a lot of people for life. Um, but it's over. I think it's over seventeen thousand yeah. um, people. Um, so um, yeah, is because it's because the my impression is the professional developer WordPress SaaS people that are making providing service for end users on Twitter and LinkedIn. Consumers are are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's mm-hmm. my sense of it. The consumers on YouTube um, are going to ramp up my activity on YouTube a lot this year. Um, um, probably look at, look, um, got my own Facebook group, um, it's only a very small one, but I'm trying to push it. But um, but also look at LinkedIn and Twitter on the professional side. So that's how I break out. I, the way I've looked at it, Kirk, is YouTube, Facebook, end users, LinkedIn, more professional end users, and and the professional market, and Twitter, the in crowd. Um, that's how I rationalize. Do you think I'm on the right track there? I think over time, and and I'm not going to get too political. I'll just let you kind of fill in the blanks with me. 
over time, I think more and more people are going to get tired of, of big tech and the established social media platforms. And I think that decentralized social media is going to be more of a thing. And that's the products that you and I sell, Jonathan. That's the, the Buddy Boss platform, the social learning on, on Lifter LMS. That's those self-run social pages, I think, are going to grow over time and be preferred. Um, when you say, why are some people making it on Facebook? I look at the people that are. So we talked earlier about product market fit. I'm part of a group that's 15,000 strong for bicyclists that ride for kids cancer every year. And I'm in this group and there's 15,000 people in there. And I, and I look at my own groups and I go, how in the world do I not have 15,000 people? Right. But it's like bicycling is a, it's one of those things, man. It's, it's in your heart and it's a passion and, and people do it. Um, the other ones that I see that are big are established plug-in organizations that that run their communities that way because they have a customer base that they can plug into that. But if you don't have a an existing tribe or you don't have some kind of fame like Tony Robbins to plug into that kind of thing and you got to grow it, it's like it's like adding it's like being that no-name person adding a plug into the WordPress repository. It's it's in a sea of of options and it's really hard to lure people into that unless you bring them from something else. Yeah, um, I think we're going to wrap it up. We've gone on a bit of a journey, but actually I've enjoyed this discussion, actually. I think we've covered, because it is, um, it's a spider web. It is, um, it's really hard to find direction for if you're a freelancer, if you're running a small plugin, whatever. The landscape of promoting your services, your freelance, your products, your plugins, your SaaS, bootstrap SaaS, how you market it, how you get your message that you can help certain people. Um, it's become very multifaceted. It probably always has been, but it just seems yeah. to have got even more faceted. You know, we haven't even, I, I haven't even touched, I, I do nothing with it. I don't even have it. It's TikTok. I don't even, I, love TikTok. I don't even touch that. Uh, um, so, you know, just the, you know, just for plus um, provide, Produce content, do pod, and we haven't touched podcasting, have we? You know, either. So, just doing what the amount of work I do plus the other things, um, it, 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 you really, uh, there's a lot of balls in the air, isn't there? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And just to wrap up, do, how do you, uh, how do you consciously in your own mind make the decision that, you know, I've given this enough time, I've given it, I know you, when, are there any particular pointers the way you feel, well, I've given that platform, that group, that whatever, enough time and it's just not panning out for me or is it just a pure gut-driven decision? No, no. So, um this is a big piece of advice. This is, this is huge. And I've learned this from other people. I didn't invent this. Um, analytics is a requirement. It's not a nice idea. It's a requirement because your gut, your feelings are going to tell you something. You're going to have some kind of heartfelt conversation on Facebook and think that it's working, you know, and then be like, Oh, that was wonderful. I love Facebook. And you're going to keep diving in. Meanwhile, you know, you might be getting 
25 people a day searching you out on on LinkedIn that you're not paying attention to because you're not looking at the analytics. Using the technique that I've used for the last three years, I'm averaging 100 people, something like 100 people a day are coming to my LinkedIn profile right now. So I know that 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 net, you know, that that gill net in my stream is working um, because I'm looking at those analytics. My YouTube, to your point, you know, I've had a YouTube channel for years and I've got a whopping 60 subscribers, you know, and I get people that even comment that go, man, your content's really good. How come there's only 60 people in here? And it's, I didn't focus enough on its growth. I didn't look at those analytics as I was beginning to grow that channel. And, you know, to your point, that's something I need to look at diving in and trying to improve. But you have to be, for me, looking at the analytics, I am still upwardly gaining very well on LinkedIn. So I'm going to keep that energy on what I know is working right now. And when that begins to taper off or plateau, then I'll ramp things up on another channel. Yeah, but I think I think the other thing is you can't you can't cover all of them. What you've got to do no. is find one or two of these channels that we've discussed and focus on them, get them up to a decent level, and then maybe you can add another channel. But yeah. the idea that you can be over all these platforms is you just need to find one or two of these platforms that really gel with you, that you're starting to get some traction, and then double down on them. Um, like I say, um, you can't do everything. That's been, um, my experience. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up. So Kirk, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, surprise, surprise. You can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm the only Kurt Von Annen on LinkedIn. So I'm easy to find. If you're watching the video, you can see how to spell my name. Um, we'll connect. Uh, and once we connect, you'll get an invitation from me to join an icebreaker call and see what we can do for each other. Right. And if you want to support the show, uh, give us a review on uh, iTunes. That really helps the podcast. And go to the WP Tonic YouTube channel and subscribe to that. We've got some fantastic content. I do another podcast called The Membership Machine Show. It's focused on business, but around people wanting to build um, income through e-learning. And it's got a focus on WordPress as well. Um, we'll see you next week where we've got some great guests in March. Plus, at the end of the month, we do our roundtable show. Join us on that. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also, to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.